Hey, thanks for joining me for episode four of the Hockey Free For All podcast. I am your host, Stephen Stiles. I appreciate everybody tuning in today. So as this very busy summer has continued, like it's almost still the regular season, we've talked about several issues in our first couple of episodes, from all kinds of rumors to trades to organizational issues. And there seems to be a different direction that conversation has started to take out there regarding acquisition of talent and players. For a team that doesn't seem to be a contender right now, for a team that still seems to have some time between when it becomes consistently competitive and might be ready to add players. And starting with that, adding players to the Montreal Canadiens roster from outside the organization right now. That seems like a really strange situation because one, they have no need to do that. Two, there's absolutely no player or individual or even a couple of players that are going to turn the Canadians into a consistent contender or perennial contender right now. And most importantly, the Canadians are just packed full of internal talent in the forms of prospects and draft picks, and it's going to take patience. And I know for a lot of people that presents a challenge. I know for a lot of people they don't like to wait. It is the best recipe if there is a desire for the team to return to its glory years, which it should. And everybody is just greatly anticipating and can't wait to actually see happen when it does. The Canadians have had extraordinary drafts. Although the previous management has been constantly attacked, chastised, questioned, if you look at the draft selections and prospects that they've made, especially in the 2020, 2021, and 2022 drafts, and argumentatively you could go back as far as the 2016 NHL draft where the first pick, number nine overall, was Mikhail Sergachev. The Canadians have drafted as well, if not better than the majority of the league. Yep, there's been a lot of people that haven't made it. There's been a lot of first-round picks that have turned out, unfortunately, not to be the expected player to be able to fill the role that they were expected to when drafted. That being said, so many people, even involved directly in the draft, has said the draft is somewhat a crapshoot. The draft is someone's best guess after countless hours of research, countless hours of taking games played in juniors or wherever the prospects are playing, and you're still getting a sense of what that player could be. You're hoping with the proper development, with the proper steps along the way, that the player will indeed, if not develop into what you were hoping for, even be more than. Sometimes that happens. Unfortunately, a lot of times, again, it's a game of prediction. You're trying to predict where someone is going to end up. There's a lot of things that can make something go off the road, make a player change due to countless things. So with that, there seems to be an overwhelmingly parental type perspective. On the one hand, everybody wants their team to acquire certain players that they feel would just be incredible additions, put their team over the edge, make them instantly competitive, Well, there's two problems with that. The biggest problem is contracts. And right now, there are few teams that find themselves in more of a precarious situation than Montreal does. They still, as many people are aware of and are already talking about it, so this is not new news, they're still trying to get Kirby Doc and Caden Primo under contract. And they don't have a lot of cap space. So that that is the 
perfect and current example rather than having to reach back in history or anything like that. So why acquire more large contracts, long-term contracts from players such as Jesse Pugliarvi, Pierre-Luc Dubois, John Klingberg, add him to the defense. He'll be that veteran presence. He can replace Jeff Petrie. Well, why can't Jordan Harris, Matthias Norlander, Caden Gooley, Arbor Akjai, why aren't one of those players being thought of to replace that? Why are suddenly people sitting there saying, oh my God, we can't have that many young or rookie defensemen on the team? Would that be because the Canadians iced an incredible defense last year, like one of the league's best? What I saw last year didn't represent one of the top five defenses in the league. And I'm not saying these young kids are going to get the team to a top five defense this year in the league. But if they're as good or better and have proven themselves in training camp, why wouldn't they be given a honest, upfront, 100% opportunity, not only to make the team, but to play regular minutes? A lot of people from time to time will make comments about how there's draft choices like Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Alexander Ovechkin. Well, they stepped right in. Well, first of all, they were elite talent. A lot of these players that I'm talking about are also potential elite talent. We'll see. I'm not comparing anybody that I've mentioned previously to any of those established NHL elite talents. That That's not the comparison here. But one of the things that helped Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Alexander Ovechkin, and players like that is they were given from the first moment on the opportunity to come in, play regular minutes, play with consistent line mates, have the opportunity to grow their game. And the coaching staffs of all of them knew that they were going to make mistakes. And they were okay with that as long as they learned from their mistakes. So since Montreal is not in a position and not being considered a contender right now and is in a development rebuilding stage, why not do what's best for the player? And that cuts both ways. If they're not ready, absolutely. Let's send them down to the AHL. Let's send them back to their junior team. Absolutely, there is no need to rush players and let them develop. Send them back down. If they're not ready, send them back down. Do not rush them. I have no problem with that whatsoever. But if they're ready, why hold them back? Why delay their NHL career for purely the reason of, well, we've already got one or two 21-year-olds or 20-year-olds. We can't have more. Why? It's not like you have a lineup like you did in the 70s. They're not competing against established stars like Guy Lafleur, Steve Shutt, Jacques Lemaire, Pierre Mondu, Ray Janoul, Mario Tremblay, Peter Mahovlich, Bob Gainey. You do not have a star-studded, very competitive existing roster. You have a lot of room for movement. And as much as people don't want to give credit to Mark Bergevin, there were a couple of practices that he put into place and a couple of beliefs that he had, starting with the players make the decision for us. If a player plays well enough to force me to create a trade or to create room on the roster, if the player proves that to me or forces that situation, then that will be taken care of. But it's up to the player. So if the Jordan Harris's, the Caden Gooley's, the or Arbor Hekjai are ready, play them. If they need more time in the AHL that will truly benefit their game, put them in the AHL. Return them to juniors. But do what's best for the player. That is what matters. That is what builds 
championships. That is what creates consistency in organizations. And a lot of people say how Montreal is not a destination and players don't want to come to Montreal. The biggest problem in Montreal, honestly, is that players aren't given opportunity. There's too many systematic requirements. There's too many trust issues. I get it. A coach has to have trust in his players. But the players also have to have trust in their coach. The, The younger players cannot play anywhere near an effective level if they know the smallest mistake on their part will result in them being benched constantly. The smallest mistake on their part will result in being demoted to a lower line that plays less minutes and are going to be punished. Let them play. Now, if you have somebody that's doing the same thing repetitively, like we already mentioned, yeah, that's a problem. But again, that's the responsibility of coaches, assistant coaches, development coaches to correct those issues, to get together with the player, whether that's on film, whether that's on the ice, whether it's a discussion off-site, not even in the rink. But to punish them or to sit there and go, well, because you made that mistake and you let that guy buy you, you're going to sit for the next five games and watch from the press box. That does not help them. Now, in their rookie season, where they might be told, we're going to break you into the lineup slowly, but you're going to play on this schedule. You're going to know when you're playing. It's not a guess. You don't have to sit there and go, am I playing tonight? Am I not playing tonight? Am I playing a couple of games in a row? That affects players ability to get into the game to have the right mindset of course they're not going to play well and then everybody's going to look at them and go oh i'll see this is just another joke of a prospect this guy's not going to develop into anything the canadians have added more development personnel than they've ever had they actually have a director of player development didn't even have that position before they had 13 development coaches for the preseason tournament that just ended the organization is evolving Just like everybody has wanted it to, everybody has said it should, it's moving in that direction. Next on today's topics, what is with the sudden write-off of Brendan Gallagher? Here's a player that represents the closest to well-thought-of players of the Canadians' past, such as Guy Carboneau, Bob Gainey, just to mention a few. He's a heart-and-soul player. He leaves it all on the ice. He doesn't know what the meaning of kind of play getting up for certain games, not having a 100% effort. He's all in all the time. Yes, did he have a bad season last year? Yes, he did. He's openly admitted his body was in a state of deterioration last year. He had a lot of injuries that he was battling. He had a lot of physical limitations that affected his game and his performance. And he's openly admitted that. He's, He's not hiding that. He's not trying to make excuses or anything. And apparently, everybody's forgotten the remarks that head coach Martin St. Louis made at the end of last season. His plans included for the summer to work with Brendan Gallagher to change his workout or to change his off-season regimen. Maybe less heavy weightlifting, more aerobics, more stretching. Maybe there's some nutritional changes. He's going to help Brendan Gallagher evolve his game. Maybe limiting physical impact so that he can be much more or as effective like he used to be. 
That was the comments he made. But apparently now everybody's like, oh my God, he's done. Write him off. Put him in a pine box. This guy's got nothing left. That's a bit harsh, don't you think? And yet people just want to write him off. That That's a really strange attitude to have about one of the few players that you don't have to worry about. Are they going to have an off night? Are they actually going to be in the game? Is their head in the game? Do they find this opponent more challenging to play against, so therefore they're more up for the game? I would love to have a team of 20 players that all have Brendan Gallagher's heart and soul. And the funny part about that is you have at least one person who has clearly shown that he does in Nick Suzuki. There's that kind of passion and that kind of commitment in his game. That should be what's required of everybody. Now, as we talked about earlier, Kirby Doc and Caden Primo are still not under contract. How about a trade that involves Joel Armia to the Vancouver Canucks for goaltending prospect Michael DiPietro? So from Vancouver's perspective, perhaps they can strengthen their roster. Joel Armia has done Montreal a favor by having the very successful tournament and results after the season came to a conclusion. His trade value is higher than it was at the end of the season. Because at the end of the season, let's be honest, there was a lot of people that didn't think very highly of, didn't think that well of, didn't think there was any value there. His trade value has actually gone up. So you can alleviate another contract impact by trading him. You can strengthen a position of weakness or at least bring in some depth to a position of concern right now. That would put Montreal in a better position. So should Carey Price not be able to start? Michael DiPietro could play with Jake Allen. And Montreal could leave Caden Primo alone in Laval for development. That might be a way to free up $3.4 million that has multiple years remaining on it. Joel Armia, might just be a better fit in Vancouver than he is in Montreal. It could be for fellow countrymen. There's a greater amount of them. Maybe there's a comfort level. It could be the way the coach allows him to play. It could be just a change of scenery. Sometimes just that and nothing more allows a player to be re-energized. Another trade that you could make is with Calgary. Calgary's lost a lot this offseason. They have cap space. Although this wouldn't be considered the ideal trade. What if you were to move Brendan Gallagher for all those that whether they think they're over or whether they're just scared of the contract or the fact that it's got five years and he's going to be 35 years old when it ends. What if you were to move him to Calgary and say in return got Sean Monahan, who's in the last year of a contract, which by the way is also worth either six million or just slightly more in annual value, but it's the last year of it. And what if that's all you got for him? Undoubtedly, some people would be very dissatisfied with that. They would think Brendan Gallagher is worth far more than that to the team and assets and things like that. But sometimes assets and values come in different forms. They don't come in the form of what people think you would traditionally acquire for a player. Sometimes cap alleviation is a benefit and an asset. Think of the contract that he has at $6.5 million annually that runs five more years. Sometimes moving that in itself makes a deal make sense. If Sean Monaghan is what they would acquire for that, you only have one year of a six-plus-million-dollar cap hit. And maybe how that turns into an asset or something more long-term or long-range is that maybe he joins the list of players that also only have one year remaining and gets traded at or by the deadline. Maybe he joins the list of Jonathan Duran, of Genny Donatoff, Paul Byron, and you get maybe a second-round draft pick. For him. Or he has a turnaround season and you gain something even more. Maybe the process takes a little bit longer with extra steps. And that's how you obtain your draft choice, prospect, 
whatever it is you were hoping to get for them. Sometimes that has to happen. Sometimes it's not as efficient as people want it to. Sometimes it's a multiple step process. Well, that concludes episode four. I hope we talked about some topics of interest. I am your host, Stephen Stiles, and we'll talk again soon when I return with episode five. Until then, have a fantastic week.